Hello and welcome to the Thirst Eye Podcast, where we take our ideas, visualize them in our third eye, and bring them into reality so we can talk about them in tangible ways. I'm here with some of my freaks and friends. We're all different agents in this journey to enlightenment. Heaven's gate wasn't open, but my legs are. I'm Agent Seven. Hey, hun. I was wondering if you're interested in earning passive income from your home. This is Agent 19. Y'all drank the Kool-Aid, but I dyed my hair with the Kool-Aid in the seventh grade. Number 13 is here. I just came back from the Manson family reunion. It's Agent 11. Last week, we discussed things to look out for when starting out on your spiritual journey. Whether it's red flags or abusive behavior or just flat out wacky beliefs, if you don't look out for these red flags, you could fall victim to a cult. This week, we're going to talk about cults, but important cults in the world, as well as um, how to avoid them and also how to make sure that you will not fall victim to them. If we look at the definitions in the dictionary for cults, we find several different definitions. One of them is a system of religious veneration and devotion directed towards a a particular figure or object. There's also a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. And also a misplaced or excessive admiration for a particular person or thing a person or thing that is popular or fashionable, especially among a particular section of society. And with all these definitions, the one that most people think of when they hear cult is a small group of people um, that is viewed as having sinister beliefs. And different um, examples are Heaven's Gate, there's the Jonestown cult and several other cults. At the same time, when we think of cult, there's also certain groups that aren't as dangerous as those groups, such as Hare Krishna people, who get um, put into that same box, and that is dangerous. And also there's different models that people use to determine whether something is a quote cult or not, or such as like the bite model, which is basically just behavioral, informational, um, thought and emotional control. Yeah, I think those are really, I think it's important that you brought up that it can be, um, it can be kind of complex because you read out several definitions and they're, they're similar in certain ways, but it sort of covers a large ground. So I feel like it's important to like break down the, the word cult and sort of discuss it more because like we just had like a long ass discussion before the show started just like debating on what we even wanted to classify as a cult but I think it's something that we should all do because in certain cases there's cults but then there's also religions that are actually valid that people want to paint as cults like the Hare Krishnas like the Hare Krishnas aren't a cult and uh if you want to really break down like why that's not a cult it's not a cult because it's an ancient religion sure there's teachers but none of the teachers specifically in that movement are fraudulent or abusive but if you look at another hindu cult for an for example um the nithyananda cult which we might get into more later this show you can see that their leader is very abusive 
he claims to be Shiva incarnate. So he's basically claiming to be God. He he relishes in these riches. You basically serve him. So there's differences between um, actual just religious devotion and religious beliefs that people may not necessarily understand and like actual cults. So I think it's important to just be aware of the red flags and how to navigate that. Because especially if you're getting into um, a religion or philosophy that you might not know a lot about or may not necessarily be Western, people who are Western are gonna say, oh, that's a cult, that's a cult, this and that. And in some cases, yeah, it might be a cult, but in some cases it might not be it might just be a western misunderstanding so i think it's important to be able to discern the two things for yourself yeah and so the consensus we basically came to before um recording the show is that where we draw the line between a new religious movement and a cult is whether or not they have that hierarchical structure where they have a leader that's abusive and manipulative and using those tactics that cults use to manipulate and recruit. Yeah, absolutely. And if you break down the differences, like there, there is a lot of differences. Like sure, lots of groups may, other, may have like charismatic leaders and yada, yada, yada. Pay, yeah, pay attention to what they're preaching. For example, um, I'm gonna keep going back to the Nityananda cults uh, and Hare Krishna potentially because that's just within my religion and I can understand it the best. And also I'll point you to just like doing a Google search for the Nityananda cult. Cause I fell down a YouTube rabbit hole the other day with that, just cause I found it really fascinating. Yeah, really pay attention to the beliefs. For example, in Nityananda, they were trying to gain yogic cities, which are like yogic powers, such as levitation and things like that. But obviously the videos of them levitating are them just in lotus position like jumping up and down so like obviously from the outside that looks crazy to us but if you're indoctrinated in that cult you might be excusing that etc but but for example in the actual hindu religion there, there talks about people having these actual cities but the Hare Krishnas know that that's not the real goal of spirituality, that it's a misuse of spirituality to, to try to gain mystic powers. Instead, they say focus on God, focus on spiritual paths, focus on, on living a simple life. But the cult is saying, oh, you must spend $16,000 for this retreat. And the leader wants to have all of these riches and possessions. So if you look at the scripture from that religion, the lifestyle of the people high up in that religion were clearly very contradictory to the actual terms of the religion. And another thing we were talking about right before this was Waco. And the incident at Waco came from the religion, the Branch Davidians, which is like a certain form of Christianity. And we were saying that the leader at Waco was a cult leader. But if you talk about the Branch Davidians, that's a religion. Um, and you can't say that every member of that religion is necessarily in a cult, unless you want to argue that all religions are cults, which are certain arguments that people have. But you just sort of have to be careful because a lot of people are just trying to find spirituality, trying to find God. 
And so then these other people are sort of being lumped in with them. So I think it's just important to be aware of these. And something else to be aware about is we as people who live in America, in the Western world, have to be aware that our own biases when it comes to viewing religions that are outside of our quote-unquote norm, that are outside of Western belief, they're often um, put into that category of cult simply because there's something scary and foreign to us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think of another really popular example for a cult right now. And I feel like another one that's been very big in our culture right now has been Scientology, simply because I feel like there's been lots of TV shows about it. And it's, and obviously a lot of really high profile celebrities are Scientologists. And that's one that's really easy for everyone to sort of collectively be like, ha ha, like that's kind of nutty. But at the same time, if you really break down that religion, it makes sense in certain aspects because they're very much just like trying to unpack your psyche to become a better person and to tap into our like true uninhibited like alien nature, which from that level, I kind of fuck with it. But then you see that it's almost like a pyramid scheme in the sense that, you have to pay for these things. And sure, with religion, there may be occasional financial contributions. However, it's clearly some sort of grab at getting money. So again, that's sort of like another thing you could look at with cults. Is is there sort of like a paywall that you have to go through? But at the same time, Scientology, okay, it's just kind of nutty. It's kind of nutty. So we could see how that's a cult But then we want to lump it in with, um, like, I saw a series on cults and it lumped sort of like the Mormons, the Scientologists, the um, Jehovah's Witnesses, the, you know, it, it, it sort of lumps this large group of people into cults. So at that point, you're kind of like, okay, like, what is, what is the uniting factor? Yeah. And Um, When people lump Mormons in with um, all these other smaller groups, it sort of brings into question what is the function of this word cult? Because um, with Mormons, they um, definitely do have a lot of problematic um, beliefs and their structure is problematic and the way that they function is, but a big difference is that, especially in certain states, um, I think it's Ohio and Utah, that they are the predominant religion in those states, and they run pretty much the entire government there. And it's very tricky when you lump in Mormonism with these smaller groups that they don't have that power. Yeah, absolutely. because. Mormonism can definitely seem sinister in some aspects, but also in some aspects you meet Mormons and they could be the sweetest people you've ever met, like period. So it's very tricky. And there's definitely parts of it that seems culty, especially, um, I wanna say it's the FLDS is the the specific sanction of Mormonism that does like plural marriage and has like these giant families and like dresses like, you know, they're Amish, like, you could maybe say that's a little sketch, 
But at the same time, you know, to them, that's their religious beliefs. And there's like this dangerous line between like religious freedom and also like complete religious extremity. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's just an interesting thing to unpack. And I don't know if we necessarily have like the real answers because everyone very much has their own opinion on the subject matter. Uh, But it's important to point out that people want to call things cults that they don't believe in. You know, to some people, the Mormons aren't a cult, but X, Y, and Z is a cult. But to some people, um, that is a cult, but things they don't believe in are a cult. It's very much, I think, based on bias, but obviously no one's going to be like, well, Jonestown wasn't a cult. Like, there are certain things that are universally a cult. So, uh, yeah, it's just... I think um, there's also a tendency to describe something as a cult if it's weird or tricky or um, something that someone is uncomfortable with. And I think it's, but I think it's important to also know that there are other terms to describe things that are strange or discomforting. based off of its power and uh, breadth. I mean, we wouldn't necessarily say that the Catholic Church is a cult, although it operates on a very hierarchical structure um, and it uses often, in certain places, it uses abuse of power to uh, prey on its patrons and supporters. And so, and there's a lot of like money involved, but we could also say that like religious fundamentalism is another sort of thing to be wary of um and that there there are ways of describing you know a relationship with a fundamentalist sect um such as mormonism or any other religion um that uses language that's maybe different and more precise and and tailored more to this specific situation. I think it's important to not generalize um, and really understand the specificity and circumstances of individual religions. Yeah, I agree with that. And something 13 brought up is um, individuals, is that an individual Mormon isn't evil because they're part of Mormonism, even if the Mormon church has done evil things such as same as with Catholics an individual Catholic themselves isn't evil for being Catholic just because the Catholic church has covered up a whole bunch of abuse that's happening inside of their church um, and that's something that we um, all can agree that we should be wary of is essentializing someone because of a group that they're part of and yeah fundamentalism is one of the things that is a more specific term that is better to use. I I really like that point that Eleven just made, um, and I want to um, carry on that. I think one thing that we see with cults in the media, especially fictional cults in television or in movies, are a sort of assessment of individuals whether unless it's like the protagonist um or a major character in which case um often it'll revolve around 
them and their experience leaving the cult, but it treats people monolithically. And I think that's a dangerous, like, and we have a tendency to demonize cult members. And it really is based off of the hierarchy. Yeah, I would say cult members are victims in most cases. And I feel like that might be a good way it doesn't necessarily distinguish between a cult and a religious group in all cases because obviously like there's people who are victims of the catholic church because people were obviously molested etc but like if if the pope molested someone we wouldn't say oh he ha- there's a victim the entire catholic church is a cult because like obviously that's a pre-existing religion and it's just an incredibly um perverted like fractal part of the hierarchy that has this problem, not necessarily Catholicism as a whole, but in a lot of places, yeah, the members of cults are victims, and it's not just um, necessarily physical victims, um, but they're more like emotional victims. They feel like they mentally cannot leave the situation, that they're trapped, that they've been coerced into thinking in in this certain way where they may see themselves as less than and that they may have to serve this greater cause. Um, So I would say that those are things that may constitute like being a member of a cult. Like yes, in a lot of aspects you did go along with certain things, but at the same time, like to what degree sort of, is that okay? Like it's not like, if you were out there like killing people with your cult leader then obviously like then you probably weren't necessarily the victim but in most cases um it's really the element of brainwashing and also um not just physical abuse but sort of mental and spiritual abuse the thing i'll say about cults that i super stand is sometimes in media like representations we get like really billowy tops and a lot of like floral headdresses which I think is super cute um and I super stand um like I'm thinking Midsummer meets like uh, sort of I get like a yeah. 60s sort of like Manson family vibe from what you're describing and yeah I feel like we've very much romanticized that in popular culture the Manson family, despite, like, the murders, seems, like, honestly ideal. Like, I feel like society is sort of selling that to me because, like, a hippie commune where we just, like, live in the desert and do, like, acid and love each other. Like, I mean, that's not exactly, like, I, I don't feel threatened by that. That sounds nice, personally. But yeah. if you get into it, then there is obviously... Uh, issues issues there yeah i just um i, yeah, we I, could I have say like aesthetic. organized aesthetic is like cute is a cute could, thing yeah we could yeah. have the aesthetics without the abusive and toxic um dynamics which i i've i'm starting to see that the problem with cults isn't the communal lifestyle which is actually a really good thing Stop um, is- demonizing communes. Stop demonizing communes. Stop exactly. demonizing communes. Yeah, because the commune part, like, I feel like that's actually achievable. But when they turn into cult, that's the problem. Like with yeah. the whole Ranjish Pranam thing with the Wild Wild Country documentary on Netflix. Like, I feel like that itself 
was a brilliant idea. But then they started trying to kill people. And obviously a lot of that was because the backlash they faced from the community. They sort of felt the need to defend themselves, but it still was like bonkers and they shouldn't have done it. But yeah, continue. Just I'm yeah. pro <laughs> the, Yeah, the two that actually ties in with what I was going to say is like using Rajneesh Param as an example the two main factors in that situation that caused Rajneesh Param to go off the rails because Rajneesh Param on face value it's actually a very good idea to that we should all just switch to living that communal lifestyle uh, rather than um, what cottage core if once we're bringing aesthetics into it um, proposes which is individualized like rugged lifestyles where we all are rugged individuals which is still playing to that capitalist notion we should all live on communes where we're living with the earth rather than trying to tame the earth oh i mean to be fair to the cottage cores it's mostly like queer people on on yeah it's just a pink washed version of um manifest destiny um so I'm gonna say I'm proposing commune core. Uh, commune core is my proposal as um. No, I think that's a cute under underdone aesthetic. I think there's an intersection between cottage core and commune core. I totally agree with you though. It's like a very individualistic, capitalistic, like um, totally fantasize like fantasizes about bourgeois bungalow like houses and like. Yeah. The whole cottage thing is like really inaccessible to like most people and yeah no i i hear you i i'm like it's it's sinking in i just i'm a cottage course <laughs> yeah stand, just so get in but i get it, it. Get like, into i can get into my faves can be problematic okay yeah. get into that um communal lifestyle and like the other thing that was toxic about that besides the town folk um and the state interfering in that lifestyle which it's obvious that the state was threatened by that lifestyle being visible um the state doesn't want people to know that it's possible to have any lifestyle outside of our capitalistic norm um the other thing is that um bagwan the cult leader in that situation was also playing to his own capitalist fantasy well, no, it's not really capitalist, but his own greedy fantasy of having people at his feet, um, bringing him riches, bringing him like all these Rolls Royces that he had lined up, and that's something that should be avoided. And in order to have a commune um, that is actually functional and doesn't go off the rails, instead of having a cult leader, the cult leader should be the community exactly yeah i feel like it's hard because you want to idealize these ideal futures but then they sort of a lot of times i feel like get perverted into these cults and i think yeah the idea itself isn't wrong and i feel like we should keep working towards that uh but the thing itself like the tangible product wasn't the best and i feel like that sort of goes uh, along with like communism in a similar vein like obviously like soviet russia isn't exactly like the gem of communism like it's it's not that didn't exactly go well however uh it the idea itself of 
communism, whether or not we can actually achieve this idealized version, it's still something that I feel like we should strive for because obviously the current situation isn't working for us. And I feel like the, the reason why people seek out cults in the first place is because they're feeling very disconnected, um, whether that's from other people, God, the land, nature, or like all of the above. So I feel like, yeah, people just really want this feeling of tradition and community and spirituality. And those are all things that I feel like we crave as human beings. However, we don't exactly know how to make them accessible to everyone yet. So as much as I, I think we all want to run off and join cults in a certain aspect because they do sound so ideal but then obviously they are cults and we know them for these very ne negative reasons yeah um should we talk about how cults are i mean we we have this image of the cult as a sort of communal lifestyle but i mean we really need to talk about how the cultural association of cults is this like communal lifestyle is really like the opposite of how cults are if you put them on paper which is incredibly hierarchical um i think i mean we can and and, and incredibly uh embedded in an a system that is really built a lot like a pyramid does anybody want to talk about nexium yeah, so that's really like where we see like this whole Venn diagram kind of. I'm not really good with shapes. I'm not sure if that actually works out. But um, between capitalism... I mean, the shape we need to know here, sorry for interrupting, is a triangle um, connected to two, three other triangles with a square at the bottom. And it's called a pyramid. Um, so now continuing with what I was saying, so yeah, Nexium um, is in that intersection between capitalism and um, cults. And what Nexium is, is this pyramid scheme that was basically a pyramid scheme and a cult. Um, undeniably, it was both things. It was a sex cult that um, the leader of Nexium would pull aside women that he found attractive and he would groom them and also blackmail them. He would make them record, record things, saying horrible things about their family or threatening to do things. And he would use that to make sure that they stayed in this cult. Yeah, I think an interesting thing about Nexium is that it wasn't necessarily a religion. It was more of like this self-help, sort of like trendy lifestyle like revitalize your life kind of thing, sort of selling these courses that were exorbitant amounts of money. And this sort of like lines the pocket of the people who are um, at the top of Nexium, but also people who sort of have been groomed and recruited into the organization and sort of um, are put into places where they own like these Nexium um, like training groups and they sort of facilitate that and thus they begin to sort of groom more and more people and reel them into this organization. So uh, yeah, I would say it, it, 
it can be the more capitalist cult here because it doesn't really have a basis in any actual religion. It's more so, and it's not really claiming to be a religion in essence. It's more so this ideology uh, that this man is sort of profiting on. And if you dive into Nexium, um, there's a good um, documentary about cults on Hulu. Um, and it's sort of, uh, I think it's called like cult beliefs or I don't know the actual name of it, but basically it talks about a lot of these really uh, popular cults. But the thing is, a lot of them are really popular institutions that we know, sort of like the Jehovah's Witness, um, and even it goes into the Mormons and s some things because there was lots of sex abuse and what what have you within those organizations. But uh, within Nexium, it looks, it's, I feel like that's one that's really obviously a cult because if you watch that show, you see that literally on a lot of these women, they literally force them to get a brand of the name of the founder. So like that's, and like the thing is like, they didn't tell them they were getting that. They just told them they were getting a tattoo and like made them film all this blackmail on them so they couldn't like back out things like that so I feel like that's a really interesting one and it's very relevant because these people are still around and if I'm not mistaken I believe these people sort of have ties with uh, Epstein and stuff if I'm not wrong so these are just very sick perverted people who are just trying to make money and control people it's not necessarily a religious element it's sort of like a factor of control the thing is people who want to make their life better will buy into anything because if you're in a lost place and you want that sense of connection and you want to make your life better like all of the all of those things sound good on paper just to make your life better and to go through with this and yada yada and so self-help again isn't the bad thing religion isn't the bad thing but the structure is the bad thing yeah, and when you talk about Nexium, it reminds me of the way that pyramid schemes and cults in general just have like similarities that we ignore when we're having this discussion. And one of the ways that we could analyze this behavior in pyramid schemes or MLMs is um, Looking at what I mentioned earlier in the podcast is the bite model, which is um, something is a system that is used to identify if a group is toxic or culty. Um, and it was it was invented by a, a cult expert by the name of Stephen Hassan. And basically, um, it stands for behavior behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotional control. And if we look at the way that, so if you look at this bite model, um, we could notice that there's these patterns in pyramid schemes that are culty. So when you look at Nexium as well as cults and other multi-level marketing um, schemes, you can see that there are similarities in this bite model. So when you look at behavior control, you're talking about things like uh, exploiting them financially, regulating your lifestyle, whether it's you can't eat this or that or consume certain things, um, whether it's restrict 
directing or controlling um, who you have sex with um, or who you don't have sex with, uh, as well as types of punishments, while information control, um, deliberately withhold and distort information. They basically just um, sort of censor and distort all of the information you're receiving so uh, that the company you're either working for or the person at the head of this cult um, organization looks like the greatest thing in the world. So if you look at like a mark, a multi-level marketing scheme, maybe one for example, like LuLaRoe, like the legging company. So when you were working for it, everyone was like, oh, that's the best thing ever, LuLaRoe. Um, but when it sort of started decreasing in popularity, you started to see videos like leaving LuLaRoe, like how LuLaRoe uh, ruined my life, etc. Because these people sort of invest a lot of money and time and uh, into investing stock or whatever into this pyramid scheme or investing time and money and energy into this cult. Um, and then they don't really receive the benefits they thought they were when they signed up for it. So I feel like that's a way you can sort of see a similarity. And then with thought control, there is um, basically it gives you very black and white us versus them thinking as well as really just trying to completely change your identity and mold it with the cults. Um, so you, oh, I think we're going to talk about this later. Uh, but how Doc Ansel and the Tiger King uh, changed the names of some of his hives slash tiger trainers as sort of a way of taking ownership of them. And yeah, a lot of people, when they join cults, they're like, you're not like so-and-so anymore. You're like uh, Gypsy Rose, Sunflower, like goddess or whatever. I don't know. Um, or you're not just a normal girl. You're a... Uh, a Mary Kay salesman I don't know and then uh, yeah they basically just control your thoughts and expect you to get all of your positivity and happiness from this thing and nothing else and then emotional control uh, talks about basically uh, seeing some of your emotions as sinful uh, making sure that you don't question the organization um, making that inherently wrong basically uh, making you think that your friends and family are crazy if they don't want to go along with you. And basically, yeah, there's no happiness outside of the group. So yeah, it's just sort of like a way of hooking you on this thing and keeping you stuck on it. Um, so you can see that whether it's a cult or a, um, a multi-level marketing situation, pyramid scheme, um, obviously cults can seem a little more extreme than a pyramid scheme situation, but it's all about structure and hierarchy. Um, most cults have a really strong structure uh, or like sort of like a, a hierarchy, like in a pyramid scheme, the person at the top of the pyramid is the person who is benefiting the most, while the people at the bottom are doing most work and um, putting the most at stake and investing a lot, they're not really getting returns. However, the people at the top of the pyramid, whether there's there's the leader and then there's the people in the leader's inner circle and then the people, people in the higher ups and management and then 
know the people on the bottom. So that's how you can see the similarity is in the structure. Right, and talking about people in the bottom, like if you look at testimonies of life after um, whatever um, place they were like working in, you could see that a lot of them actually lost money rather than gaining money. So you could see that they were actually like, that they didn't benefit at all from being part of this. Yeah, um, actually, if you look at the statistics, you have more chance of making like returns on what you put into that with joining like a actual Ponzi scheme where there's no products involved because you're not investing into all these products, all these seminars. Um, like with these seminars, something else that they do tying into the bite model is emotional control. They like shower you with all these phrases and um, tell you if you just believe in yourself, then you're going to make it, then you're going to be one of the few people that actually make it. And if you aren't making it, then that's your fault, that you're not a strong enough boss babe. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of like a way of, of sort of like emotional abuse in a sense, because um, it reminds me of the Nityananda cult, like we talked about earlier, how um, they expected these cult members to gain these yogic cities where they should be meditating, uh, not meditating, levitating, and uh, reading minds and reading fortunes and tapping into the Akashic records and like doing all of these crazy things. Uh, but when they don't do them, they basically are told, well, it's because you didn't do this, didn't do that. It's because you're terrible at your spirituality. You didn't give it enough. You didn't pay enough money. You have to come to the next retreat. It's always your problem. Uh, it's never the heart of the organization that's at fault. Yeah. yeah it's abusive yeah it's abusive and it's one way that i like to think about cults is a abusive relationship with the narcissist but on mass that's true because there's like it, it seems like one way and it's like between you and your leader um but it's also between you and a bunch of people who you have like this shared sense of like camaraderie with like you're sort of in this together these are your brothers and sisters and depending on the cult um either you love them or you know they're per helping perpetuate the abuse or they're being encouraged to further this abuse uh with the cult leader gaslighting that you see is something also that we see in our regular like hegemonic society of capitalism that poor people are blamed for their own poverty and we sh I think it'd be worth it to examine other places in the bite model where capitalism would fit in because um, one thing is like sleep deprivation you're um, sort of required to deprive yourself of sleep in order to survive in a capitalist society. And that's something that cults in general do to an extreme um, extent. Yeah, and another thing is that when 
you're raised in capitalist society, you're not um, shown any information that would lead you to believe that capitalism is anything but the best system and the only system that would work. Um, you're actually taught in schools the phrase that capitalism is um oh, i'm trying to remember what the phrase is it's not the um, it's the default kind of uh yeah. you're actively taught about the war against communism yeah mccarthyism is a form of like thought control where you're like forced to like check like be suspicious of your neighbors if they're communists or spies. It's sort of like, it's both capitalism and nationalism in a certain sense, because in schools we're almost taught that, um, we're taught this very whitewashed, like, form of history that doesn't teach us sort of all of the atrocities that are in our past. But then if you get into actual, like, high-level like actual studying of history you then see all of these things so it's like you're not aware of these things if you never rise above public school you're just reading what's in the textbook or what you're being told which is um a repainted version of the truth which very much goes into information control um, I th- it was about like the death of autonomy, like public autonomy and how it was because it's like the victims don't like they don't think for themselves, right? They have no autonomy. Well, you could also like circle back how to capitalism wants to kill public autonomy so they can just control every one, um, all the citizens so they can be workers. I, th- I think what I wanted to say was something along the lines of that. Yeah, I really, um, I see what you're saying, that um, capitalism does want to, like, get rid of your autonomy and doesn't want people to make their own decisions about their lives. Yeah, like, it, it says, like, capitalism's all, like, Oh, you can, um, you know, work your way up to the top, start your own business, be an entrepreneur, blah, blah, blah. But they make it really hard to do that, um, especially if you don't come from a privileged place. And that's um, really similar with um, a lot of narcissists. Like, they bait and switch you. Yeah. 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 um, It goes back to a lot of gaslighting and stuff. Yep. They love bomb you. Or yeah. they, they pitch this ideal utopia to you and then when you're actually a part of it you realize how incredibly flawed it is and that nothing can really be perfect mm-hmm. yeah and um, the, a lot of cult leaders and people who run the government have a similar narcissistic behavior like that like all of the American citizens are basically an abusive narcissistic relationship with the American government because they're the narcissist and we're the victims um and a lot of people don't recognize that and they'll defend the government because they're they've been brainwashed yeah and anytime you talk to someone who hasn't made that realization 
they get this cognitive dissonance that you get when you talk to someone who was raised in a cult and you tell them that they're in a cult. Yeah. Yeah, they get like like kind of like de- very defensive and like kind of aggressive about it. Yeah, absolutely. No one really wants to believe they're in a cult no matter like how hard it is and the people who get out are essentially really lucky because not people don't want to like face that reality of almost as like earth shattering when that happens um but yeah if, if we're talking about capitalism as a cult you can also see capitalism manifest through cults and cult activity so nixium nexium i mean uh for example uh it wasn't a religion it was more of a self-help movement and that to me uh makes me think that it instead of a cult focused on god it's a capitalist cult it's a cult of capitalism so instead of um capitalism itself being the cult uh it's just using that as a way to again make the leaders more money so again that's basically what a pyramid scheme is it's a it's a cult without god essentially and then um if you're looking at these specific uh cults that exploit labor so nexium was one and then another one which i want to talk about is this cult called the united nation of islam so it's basically this cult that uh preys specifically on uh African Americans of the Islam faith faith obviously and um formed in the early 20 not super early but the 20th century and it basically uh was pitching the idea to uh black people that uh basically they needed to get themselves together it was basically banking on this idea of like oh you're from um essentially a ghetto community and that um sell- selling the idea that black people don't necessarily amount to much and they're basically saying well you could clean up your act and join the united nation of islam where we are like a group of black people who really are strong moral examples in the community uh you start businesses like you're like entrepreneurs like you're respected in the community you're godly you're holy things like that so it's basically um was preying on that like idea and insecurity and stereotype and sort of used it as a way to um on the surface it looks like it's trying to uplift these people but eventually uh they ended up saying that at a certain age um when your kids i think some of them start as early as like 8 some of them like 10 or 12 um they send them off to heaven i believe is what they called it and um and then they basically literally put them in the back of a semi truck drove them like across the country and force them into like this work camp where they're fo- forced to learn how to work in these restaurants and apparently this re- religion has restaurants and like bakeries and stuff like all around the country and uh and they once they train these kids they literally ship them off to these restaurants 
where they work and they aren't paid. Like, they literally aren't paid. Um, they, they have to go to school. They get, like, three hours of sleep because they wake up, like, really early in the morning and have to do all of their prayer and all of this crazy stuff. Like, they're literally ripped from their parents. Um, they literally talked about how this one girl, um, like, she had cancer and they wouldn't let her have treatment, so she died. Um, basically, and while she was, like, sick they literally made her work her job still so it's i feel like that's very much embodies the spirit of capitalism in cult form and it's really sad and these kids are now out of the cult and see it as a cult but obviously the parents don't want to believe that they sent their children off to be treated like this and it's a really sad story but it really shows you sort of how capitalism can be yeah i have a question i'm not really familiar with this group um are we talking about like child trafficking yes it's yeah they basically figured out later um because i'm gonna link this episode as a resource but essentially i found it on this hulu show it was called Cults and Extreme Beliefs, and uh, they have an episode talking about uh, a different type of cult, and each time it was a specific victim's story. So basically, they focused in on this certain victim, and uh, basically he he came to realize that he was being human trafficked, essentially, um, and that his parents he didn't know that his parents essentially sent him off to be human trafficked and uh later he started contacting the fbi because obviously this is a this is a cult that i rarely hear this name enter the cult conversation but i feel like it's really important especially like the community it's exploiting uh and i feel like it's a really sinister form of abuse like that's literally human trafficking like especially with children but yeah i think the fbi is investigating yeah, it and now, it's really sad that I think you it, mm-hmm. it's really sad how these group groups target specifically um marginalized groups and you see that in different forms whether it be gangs or cults or any other type of group that they just swoop in whenever there's a power vacuum and they get away with these acts because there is a power vacuum. The state has forgotten these people. And Yeah. Yeah, if you feel disenfranchised for any reason, uh, you're, you literally, like, you want to find power and empower yourself. And for some reason, these people, so instead of empower, getting empowered, they sort of get their power stolen away from them. By these larger organizations yeah so if you look at exploitation of labor and things like uh, pyramid schemes you can also and um, the United Nation of Islam you could also see that um, and something we mentioned earlier and also something that's really popular in pop culture right now which is Tiger King because you can actually see a lot of cult-like tendencies in things that aren't necessarily uh, flat-out 
cults like you would see it in the movies. So uh, in Tiger King, we might want to say that Doc Antle with his little safari park in the Carolinas, with his wives with like weird exotic names and giant titties, um, who he has like pol- polygamous relationship with, um, or Joe Exotic with his weird like gay polygamy and like he basically took in all of these like queers off the street, queer rednecks off the street and got them to take care of all of these animals and like basically live on the property and like literally eats like expired meat from like Walmart trucks and like uh, plot someone's death and like do all of this crazy stuff. That's basically a cult if we want to think about it. Like, so do we want to say that the Tiger King and Doc Antle are cult leaders or is that too far? Well, you might be onto something there. Cause if we go back to the bite model, um, a form of thought control is inducing these like hypnotic trances or like using drugs to induce like altered states of consciousness and they were like a meth cult that's true yeah he was pumping them full of meth all of the time and weed and uh gay sex the worst drug of all um yeah that's that's a very very true case and then another cult who is probably the most famous cult of all in pop culture, the Manson family. That's another cult that is heavily known for its use of drugs because uh, Charles Manson supposedly was dosing his cult members with LSD and other psychedelics consistently. Uh, So what they were hearing basically sounded so profound that they began to see him in this heightened state. Because if you're on psychedelics, everything sounds like a revelation, essentially, whether it's stupid or not. So Charles Manson, who could form, I mean, he's a decently intelligent man, but sometimes what he says comes out like uh, a raping lunatic, sort of like a rant. But if you are on acid, I'm sure that intelligence comes off it may seem like he has like this insight on the universe and then he also was very much controlling their sex lives which again was mentioned on the bite model which controlling uh the behavior and by constantly telling his cult members to have sex with people while they were on drugs and they had these blurred boundaries and limits uh they began to lose all boundaries at all and boundaries are sort of what keeps you from uh, being indoctrinated into a cult. Because if you don't let someone violate your boundaries, you tend to repel these more narcissistic, controlling people in groups. So I feel like that's a really interesting one. And uh, yeah, the Charles Manson thing is just really interesting. Yeah, I think it that goes back to having your own autonomy where you can think for yourself and you're not in such a vulnerable place. I want to mention that 
the Manson cult's use of drugs is often used by the state to demonize psychedelics, which is something that we don't stand. That's very true. Yeah, because yeah. as much as psychedelics can be used in that way, that's not the only way. And psychedelics can be a very powerful tool. But again, you have to just be careful if you do them around because you are very susceptible to the influence of others in that state. 100%. Um, and it goes back to cults just picking out vulnerable people who can't defend themselves and who are in a very um, hard spot in their lives and telling them that they can make it better. And you mentioned uh, the subject of autonomy a second ago. And that sort of brings to the point of, with Charles Manson, there's this debate of, is Charles Manson guilty of murder? Because technically, he physically didn't murder anybody. Sure, on one of the nights of these murder sprees, he may have been present, but technically they they couldn't pin any blood specifically on his hands. So how accountable is he for that murder? I mean, most people would say, the, most people and the law would say he's fully accountable because he brainwashed these people and they did this under his control, um, trying to get his love and attention. Uh, but a more interesting question to ponder may be, how much are these cult rem- members responsible for their crimes? Because obviously murder is a pretty heinous crime and no matter how brainwashed you are, maybe the alarms in your head should be saying, maybe I shouldn't murder somebody. However, should they get a lightened sentence because they were subject to this brainwashing? Um, or if we talk about less severe crimes, are those still valid if you're being brainwashed in a cult? Um, I feel like like Charles Manson is definitely accountable for everything that happened. Um, And if he wasn't there, none of the people would have done what they did. Um, But they, his victims should also be accountable for, you know, the crimes they committed. Yeah, well, in that case, like, I feel like murder, like, okay, like no matter how brainwashed you are i think you should it should be obvious that maybe you shouldn't murder people the thing is i don't know they were going off of charlie's like they were basically fulfilling his prophecy sure but um yeah and another thing that's used in a debate is that he didn't actually ever tell them to go out and kill people so that's another like debate use, but um, definitely like his influence was is what led to the um, murders of these um, people. Yeah. So in another legal case that we want to ponder, would the parents of the children in the United Nation of Islam cult be aiding in? Uh, like, should they be legally charged with, like, aiding in child trafficking because they sent their children off? 
I mean, the thing is, they didn't, but they still, they still ate it, you know? I, I feel like, um, for something like that, there needs to be, like, therapy, like, rehab and therapy, like, family therapy or something, because if they didn't know, um... They know now, though, they won't believe it. So in that case, do we, they're, like, still part of the cult. So um, in that case, you know, say that this family has to take some legal responsibility for that because it's a tricky situation because at the same time they were victimized despite them still being in the cult they're still under the influence of this brainwashing however they were still victimized their kids were still victimized but at the same time they as parents should be protecting their children and not sending them off to go live with their church which is kind of sketchy anyways so yeah, I feel like it's just, it's a slippery slope. They, um, the parents probably viewed it as like a summer camp or something like that. Um, people who are like so involved, basically brainwashed by a cult, brainwashed by their faith, they don't have critical thinking skills. Um, they will do anything that their leader or the person they view as divine says. Um, I feel like after a certain point, people are accountable for their actions, but, um, being, uh, I, I don't know if this is the right phrase, but, like, basically out of your mind, as I view a lot of these victims are, I feel like they're out of their mind. Um, it's just hard to determine what is real and what's not. Yeah, and because of the way that cults work that their worlds are they pretty much live in a different world because in their head truth is different to them what what is true is different to them because of all the information has been filtered through the lens of that cult yeah that's very true the power of belief is an extremely powerful thing Because if you believe something, no matter how completely crazy it is to the outside world, it can be so completely true in your heart. Yep, that's accurate. Um, Um, Well, if we want to keep talking about victims and sort of victim rights and how much uh, responsibility they have in the crimes of their leaders, we can sort of get into... Another thing that I see that is really popular, especially with the whole Manson phenomenon, which is movie portrayals of cults, as mm-hmm. well as TV and other media portrayal uh, portrayals of cults. So, yeah. hold, hold on but- a second. I I just I want to go back to the Manson thing for a second. Um, yeah. So. A lot of the people in the Manson cult were teenagers or young adults, like people um, under 25, under 30 and stuff. Most of them were teenagers. Um, People that age don't, they just don't understand. They don't get it. They don't have critical thinking skills. They don't rationalize. Um, No matter how much they think they know, their brain is still developing and they just don't understand things. Um, and especially when you're, you know, whacked out on, on drugs, you, you just, 
there's no way to reason. And um, I wasn't aware. So number nine, you said that um, Charlie didn't tell them to... Number nine, you said that Charlie didn't tell them to go out and kill people. Is, is nine here? Right. Basically, he, there's literally no evidence to support that. Okay, but the people who were in the cult said that he did. It was just fulfilling his prophecy, essentially. He never specifically was like, go kill these people. Um, He was just like, this is going to happen. Like, people are going to die, like, helter-skelter. And and then he was like, "Um, these would be some good people. And they were like, gee, cool. And then they went and did it. I mean, we're not necessarily saying that's the truth. We were just saying that's an argument that people make. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like at that point that they are, they have to be accountable for their actions because they just went out and did it. That's like those two girls that went out and um, tried to kill their friend for Slenderman. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. I totally forgot about that, but that's a really good example the girls who literally killed their f- friend because of Slenderman. That's so terrible. <laughs> and didn't they plead insanity in that case? Yeah. I feel yeah, like they probably th- should have gotten it. Or at least yeah. a little bit of mercy. But I feel really bad for their friend because I know their friend was like a little special. And that calls into question whether or not... Um, I'm not sure how the court proceedings went for the Manson case or if they even tried pleading for insanity. But if you're in an altered state of consciousness and you're a teenager, would that, like, in a moral sense, since we're not a court of law, um, and that happened, like, so many years ago, would they be able to sort of plead insanity in that case? Maybe, but they also, I think, were of age. Because I don't remember any of them talking about, like, underage things. So I feel like once you're of age... I feel like to plead insanity, they have to find a literal mental illness to prescribe you with. Um, So maybe some of them might be able to qualify, but I'm not sure if all of them were. But they definitely were brainwashed to a certain extent. Yeah, definitely not in the court of law. Like, that wouldn't hold up um, as a defense. Like, you can't say, oh, someone else told me to do it. And so I'm um, I'm innocent. um, morally would we still be able to hold that against them like what their their actions are still wrong legalized murder (laughs) (laughs) well there's that one spot in um I don't remember which state it is but it's a state in the northwest where there's some it's like overlapping two state lines and um like some they have different laws that like conflict with each other so technically under certain conditions murder is legal in that one place sorry i just went off on that sorry (laughs) 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 yeah that just like came into my mind a party in the same vein as the whole manson cult thing you see a lot of movies that portray the manson family and as much as those are a good time, like we all love a good Manson family movie, 
uh, we it sort of brings into question like the relationship between movies and media as well as victims. So if you really dissect this, there's lots of movies again of the Manson family as well as TV shows sort of talking about cults, true crime of all sorts, really. An example I just thought of, which is fairly recent, is there's a song called Jonestown on the Post Malone 2018 album, Beer Bongs and Bentleys, talking about, um, it happens every time, it sounds like suicide, I'm hesitant, but I'll drink the Kool-Aid once again, which a bop I'm sure but like are we gonna question if that's tasteful or not and I'm not like here for cancel culture so I'm not trying to like cancel anybody but you would think that in this very hypersensitive culture we're living in this would be like a conversation we're having because Jonestown didn't like 900 people die in Jonestown like that's kind of like not cute that we're making bad trap songs about Jonestown. I don't know if that's like a hot take or whatever, but I feel like this is a common phenomenon we see with cults and pop culture and the sort of romanticizing of them. So is that something we want to speak to and come up with more examples about? Yeah, you just reminded me of the band Cults and how they have a song that samples footage from the Jonestown. Like, I don't know what exactly, I think it's um, Jim Jones speaking and the music video also features that footage. So that just reminded me of that. The band is literally called Cults. Yeah, like sure, it's fascinating to a certain extent. Like as like a, like, it's very cute to be like, all like I'm a horror girl I love true crime tee hee hee and like I do like I'm sure a lot of us love learning about true crime to an unhealthy extent but there's in our culture people really are romanticizing that and yeah I just I'm questioning if it's ethical to keep making these films about and um, songs and whatnot about cults because there's definitely tasteful ways to do it but I just feel like they're not always being treated with the respect that they're, they deserve you know yeah you're you're valid in saying that um, I just don't think people will ever stop creating um, things about this and exploiting it because you know people are horny for true crime and you're not gonna like if they're horny for something, they're going to go after it, you know? That's fair. It just... I feel like Jonestown, especially, of all of the cults, are the least horny one, you know? Like, at least <laughs> you could say that, like, Charles Manson's, like, kind of hot and, like, um, has good music. But, like, you cannot say anything good about Jonestown. Like, you you can't. So... Yeah, I, I, mass suicide, so sexy. <laughs> right. The only thing that, like, people, like, the main thing that people glorify is the aesthetic, which was brought up earlier by Seven. And, yeah, it does call into question the taste of that, of whether it is in good taste and, or, or if it's sensitive to the victims. Yeah, because you can argue 
that in a certain sense, maybe these types of movies are raising awareness of a certain sense because, I mean, if you learn about cults, maybe you're less likely to be in a cult. But um, I, th- yeah, I think there's just better ways to do it um, because there's again certain series and certain uh, content put out by cult victims themselves who. Uh, speak about these things and say the warning signs and whatnot that aren't like some big Hollywood blockbuster movie with no one who was involved in the actual incident being a part of it and like profiting off of it you know so something for example cult members may have like a YouTube channel or like a book or something you might be able to check out if you're like specifically interested in that case so for example uh, the Nityananda cult which we were talking about earlier Uh, this girl Sarah Landry was uh, in that cult and she has a whole YouTube channel where she does lots of videos like talking about her experience in that cult because she used to be what they called the western face of that cult Uh, so I thought that was really interesting and she did a podcast on that on the A Place for Human podcast so I thought that was really helpful and then that show I mentioned earlier on Hulu cults and extreme beliefs they interview victims specifically so it's not like the victims aren't involved it's very much the narrative of the victim and they're being framed as a victim so I think uh, those types of things are what you want to lean towards yeah and the documentary on Netflix Wild Wild West also did a pretty good job yeah maintaining that nuance especially with Sheila who um, in many regards she is a victim because she was um, manipulated so much by Bhagwan and um, it's also making sure not to portray her as only a victim because she also was a very dangerous person that absolutely tried to poison an entire town yeah I feel like that's a really complicated issue and yeah people very much want to villainize her and sure, she is sketch in that certain sense. But in her culture, she was very much doing the honorable thing, which was defending guru. Like, above all, you you, you want to defend your guru. And I mean, she took that to heart. And I mean, she did a good job of it. I mean, not good in a sense that it reflected well on that cult. But I mean, she tried to protect them, that's for sure. Yeah, but we yeah. have no choice but to stand <laughs> our problematic called queen yeah we kind of love her not gonna lie uh but yeah i I agree that's another good show and i think it paints it from all perspectives and yeah that one always hits home for me because ranjish pranam sounds like a place i genuinely want to (laughs) live without all of the cult like like, you know the concept of ranjish pranam is so cute a whole um commune that's literally self-sustaining you're living um the only thing that like was a bit problematic is how they terraformed the place where they were like not living with the earth but i mean not living on the earth they were living on the earth but not with the earth which is something that um i brought up earlier in this podcast that we should um sort of decolonize our ideas of what communes are and what um, our relationship is with the earth. Yeah, that's super valid. The authoritarian mindset makes people 
um, vulnerable to being controlled. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely um, the authoritarian mindset is some like there's a lot of groups online that um, use that to their advantage and recruit people online and there's like all these strategies that they use sort such, such as like um, appealing to this like past vision like the whole MAGA thing really speaks to that um, about how the past is idealized and um, put on a pedestal, pedestal like tradition is put on that pedestal yeah with the make america great again and how they want it to be like the 50s and everything and yeah okay exactly yeah they're very much um as much as we all want to like really shit on conservative people it's very much like they like their concerns are almost being taken advantage of by like this higher cult and I don't want to paint them as victims because they're definitely like not victims but in a certain sense like most of them in a lot of cases are like people who are getting up there in age are often um, poor or lower class like white people um, generally like kind of rednecky but those people generally feel disenfranchised like they generally feel like oh like uh, people are coming for our jobs like this and that like America like th- they're just constantly in fear about the state of the nation and the state of their lives and then they are sort of choosing this gigantic monster who sort of spews like hatred and all of this other stuff but they're sort of selling them this idea and they're not really getting the good end of it you know yeah um another thing is also they're very um controlled by fear um and that's another thing narcissists use to yeah well all cults are essentially controlled by fear Mm -hmm. um so when number 11 said the word online that um made me think of something like would you consider incels a cult because they um you know you would yeah, and um, they're a cult, but they don't have a leader. Like, who would the I'd say that they're uh, like the Joker, <laughs> Elliot Roger. He's yeah, I was thinking like, Elliot Roger too. Yeah, he's I their leader, except is. he's the guy from California that um he couldn't get a girlfriend, so he just <laughs> he, he killed some girls and then he killed himself. Oh, gotcha! Damn. Yeah, that's, that's and, not a good incel. Um. And he There's leads no the incels from the grave, sort of like Kim Jong-il does with North Korea. <laughs> kind of, like, interesting. I'm like, when they form their own nation, they're just like, sorry, I'm not part of this country anymore. This is our own nation. That's what Korea- North Korea is. They're just a cult that has morphed into a nation, which is, like, a weird side note. But um, America's just the nation of incels at this point. That's all I see around me. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, and taking it back to... I just want to, like, really briefly mention how taking it back to conservatives and poor white people, 
is that they're victims, but not victims in the sense that they think they are. They're victims of capitalism. They're exactly. Not, their jobs and aren't being so taken away. To see it. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not stupid. They're brainwashed. Exactly. I, yeah. There's a sense that like these hicks are dumb, but they're not necessarily dumb. They just literally weren't given the resources, and they're brainwashed. They're thinking that something is the answer to their questions and their prayers when it's not. So they're not dumb. They're brainwashed essentially. And they're very much, yeah, they're buying into capitalism, and capitalism is essentially what is victimizing them. That's the reason why they're poor, that's the reason why they're feeling disenfranchised, but they're blaming it on Democrats, they're blaming it on people of color, they're blaming it on not the system, which is the system they love, but it's actually been hurting them the whole time. If you want to go to the liberals, and talk about all political parties as cults in a sense. The liberals, I mean, not all liberals, but there's also a certain amount of poor, disenfranchised minorities who buy into liberalism. Well, obviously, because it's a better alternative, certainly, but they may become ultra liberal in a sense or be overly liberal um, in a way to sort of try to feel um, like this power they may be buying I mean not to use Jonestown language but they're drinking sort of the liberal Kool-Aid and they're not realizing that that itself is a flawed establishment it may not be as flawed as conservatism but it's still not addressing the root of the problem which is capitalism and also incredibly flawed political leaders that are basically cult leaders or honestly they're not even like very useful they're not even like good cult leaders i mean trump's definitely a cult leader but i don't think biden could be a cult leader he's just not like there enough he doesn't have like the the smarts to manipulate anybody but like we're all like oh like hallelujah like kamala harris like we're gonna have like a half black like woman in the white house maybe but like do we actually like her though like do like we shouldn't be like cheering for like the little like liberal victories we should be like wanting actual change which is anyone who we're trying to get in the white house right now isn't it like and like either of these political parties are barely making sense right now for the country so we're not really doing anything about it though we're both sides if if you're buying into the ideology without tying in your own critical thinking you're essentially just indoctrinated in the cult you're not actually engaging you're just repeating a script you know so regardless of if you feel you're more conservative or you feel you're more liberal that's fine, but you need to be able to verbalize that. You need to actually critically think about the situation you're in and not just be like reading off the script of conservatism or liberalism. Yeah, and that really ties into how earlier we were talking about how the neoliberal system, which is both conservative and liberalism, um, because America is a far-right country, Controls our thought 
and we have this system where you can only be democrat or you can be republican and everything is on this sliding scale that your thought is limited to you can be pro-gun um the anti um human rights or you can be anti-gun and pro-lgbt um and that's not necessarily how the real world works because the system was not created with our actual reality in mind our actual material reality in mind exactly and then we want to start making assumptions based off of the political system that this person because they believe x they must believe y which makes them some horrible person or some racist or some evil capitalist or some awful thing and then we sort of begin to tear them down as the enemy in our mind when they're just a human whose beliefs we haven't necessarily delved into yet so i think that's where this thinking becomes dangerous and that's where it does become cult like because what you believe is the holy grail and everything else um you can't question it everything you believe you are consuming media that aligns with your political party if you're conservative you're watching fox news if you're liberal you're watching cnn or whatever and you're very much seeing things that affirm what you believe to be true and often exaggerates that which then exacerbates the issue because then you're having these more intense feelings and that goes back to the bite model where they're essentially controlling the information they're feeding you which then begins to control your thoughts and emotions and behaviors so if we really break it down yeah political parties are a cult <laughs> exactly we have a one party system and like what you were saying earlier is so true that we have what in um when you're talking about cults would be called a thought stopping pattern um basically saying i don't want to associate with this person because they're x y and z and so i'm not going to listen to them that's a thought t- stopping pattern if you like trump how about you just unfriend me on facebook right now like as much as that's like valid because i mean sure those people are like annoying but that's that's very much exactly a thought stopping process you are a controlling your group to people who only believe essentially the exact th- same thing as you like it removes any possibility of discourse that changes the issue it's and it's just driving the divide further and further apart of the political spectrum and this sort of reminds me of something from the book Be Here Now by Ramdas and it's sort of like a uh, yin and it's like a yin and yang sort of like infinity symbol and it says uh something along the lines of police create hippies and hippies create police um everything is essentially a reaction to its polar opposite so essentially liberalism creates conservatism conservatism creates liberalism because they're so extreme and polar to one end of the spectrum it creates the complete opposite which is the other thing but if we were to reduce it down and to find the gray area it wouldn't be this flip side of the coin it would be it would we would recognize that it's the coin 
it's one coin there's not two different sides but instead we've separated them into like gigantic categories that are at war with each other but they don't necessarily have to be yeah and what we're trying to visualize is something outside of that um we could probably do a whole series on um mench- like visualizing something outside of that and actually delving really deep into all the intricacies of how incredibly messed up our political system is absolutely and i feel like this is something that we always come back to because it's very much um at the crux of a lot of the problems we're seeing in our society right now and always it's always just sort of bubbling up and things like cults um i learned in one of my spirituality classes that i took that cults are actually a symptom of a society in struggle cults don't exist in societies unless societies are coming to a massive turning point or they're having like a huge cultural moment so the last time we were really talking about cults was in the 60s and that was our last real cultural moments with the civil rights movement vietnam the hippies woodstock uh and that's the last time cults was really discussed about in america um so when we're looking at that now like the times we're living in now are very much starting to mirror that time in terms of just like chaos so i'm sure we're going to keep seeing newer cults show up um and i mean they're they're hiding right in front of us there are political systems but i'm sure there's going to be other cults as well that are just hiding there and it's just a symptom of the culture we live in we are not well we are not spiritually well we are not m- mentally well we are not physically well as a country as a world essentially so um you started mentioning the 60s and that um it reminded me of a theory i have that like basically our generation now um we're basically like the new boomers um like gen z or or later millennials or whatever um like it's basically just a rerun of the 60s just sped up is what is happening now and um a lot of our behaviors are going to mirror the boomers like when they were in the 60s whether we like it or not like um like i know how people are trying to be like more environmentally conscious and more pc and stuff but um humans will always repeat the same behaviors like no matter what cuz down agree. to oh go ahead go ahead i mean i think human behavior is very cyclical so it's very like it makes sense that we're only going to come back and mirror that behavior but the 60s came through and with that was like this wave of progression and there was some progression but obviously it didn't progress farther enough that's why we're still having the civil rights discussion that's why we're still having the environment discussion that's why we're still having the war discussion and so on and so forth um so i think we go through these cycles of making progress stagnation regression and then progress stagnation regression pro- i feel like it just continues and i feel like we're going to attempt to solve some of these issues that 
we dealt with in the past and I think we're going to make some progress on them but it's so hard to control human behavior there's definitely definitely no logic to human behavior and I'm sorry I had to laugh at my own York joke but um yeah it it doesn't make sense but the thing is um there's no like as much as we want to create utopia which is often why cults come up in the first place trying to create this utopic society we're never necessarily going to reach it because human behavior is always going to be human behavior there's no existing without um suffering within a certain extent yes you're exactly right um yeah all, all i'm trying to say is that this is just like 20th century part two like all of the wacky stuff that was going on there is like we're just repeating everything but yeah. it's it's like on the on the next level. Right. I'm sure when I'm old, I'll be acting like a boomer, because we'll, we'll all have like lived through like coronavirus and 9/11 and the recession and like all of this crazy stuff. We're just gonna be like back in my day. <laughs> yeah, two recessions and two pandemics already. I'm sure there'll be 12 more. So. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and our generation is definitely going to see things in a we're definitely going to experience things in a lot different way. It might be um, the 20th century part two, but it's 20th century part two, the remix, because we have all these problems that humanity has never faced before, such as um, climate change and um, our food, um, our food scarcity and the way that everything is just being tied in. Mm-hmm. We could do a whole episode on um, food scarcity and resources and all that and um, what's called the fas- fast fashion and stuff because there is enough food. We overproduce food actually. It's just corporations and stuff. They just throw it out because it's not profitable to them to donate it to people that need it. It all goes back to the cult of capitalism. Yes. Exactly. We have enough resources for everyone. We just don't use them all. And like, it's so sad how much resources go to waste um, in our society. And it's, it's all capitalism. And maybe if we want to get like really put our tinfoil hats on, um, we might want to narrow it down to like the global elite which is another cult maybe the illuminati that's not necessarily one we were planning about talking about but i feel like that's another thing that people actually think about when they think of cults um but essentially that's just the idea that this global elite has access to sort of like this knowledge or whatever but if we talk about the global elite that's very much a real thing in the sense that there's billionaires who could essentially end all of the suffering in the world but they choose not to and choose to accumulate this wealth for themselves instead and that's where the problem lies um and if you think about it again that's really just a pyramid scheme there's these people at the top and they are the people at the top yeah and like there there everyone wants to push that trickle down economics works when it doesn't and that's also part of the pyramid and it, it's everything's just a cycle and it all circles back to each other yeah the only thing that trickles down is pain yes wow. they live a life <laughs> of pleasure in their islands getting mm-hmm. all the pleasure they want 
while we're getting their pain. Yeah, it's like everyone else is like scrounging around on the ground and like the the floor is hot coals and everyone else is laying on the hot coals so the rich people can walk on top of everyone without getting their feet burned. And that's clearly why rich people are sexually perverted because they're clearly sadomasochists. (laughs) Yeah, they're addicted to power. And that's narcissism. So basically today we've talked about cults in essentially every facet. And we sort of started at the beginning where we talked about the cult that we all see in our mind, whether it's Jonestown or the Manson family, or if it's like the satanic sex freaks and Rosemary's baby. But we all sort of have like this different picture in our mind. And through discussing today, I feel like we sort of came to the conclusion that Cults can be much more than that. Cults can exist within celebrity culture. Cults can exist within the very foundation of the society that we're living in. And it's a little alarming. And we could definitely find this fight model and these examples of groupthink within uh, our society and like different dynamics we have with like systems of power. And I find that really interesting. And I think a good thing to bring up about cults is again, just being aware of the warning signs and having really healthy boundary levels because once you sort of know what this abusive behavior and this fight model looks like, you can make sure that um, you're not being a victim of that from a cult and from society and capitalism at large. And sure, it's hard to escape some of these things, especially from society at large, but know that we are all in this together fighting the war against capitalism and um if you need us we'll just be planning our little commune and milking the goats and hoeing the fields so thank you for joining us today and we're gonna go on with our intentions i believe so to start off on intentions my intention is basically to stop romanticizing cults. I feel like I definitely was one of those kids who was like, wow, the Manson family, I want to have long flowing hair and do acid with a man with long hair. But um, I definitely am seeing now how culture romanticizes these very traumatic incidents. And if you really pay attention to like, these victim accounts, you can see how hard it is and that there's a lot of deprogramming you have to go through once you leave a cult. Um, But I also just wanna continue to keep visualizing that ideal future because we were just talking about cults today, but we still managed to circle back around to the fact that there's like this problem with society, this polarization that we need to fix and that we need to keep being strong, critical thinkers and thinking for ourselves and not following into the group think and falling into the agenda that is set for us. So um, anybody else on intentions? My intention is for everyone just not to be susceptible to political brainwashing. I mean, you are not immune to propaganda. I'm not immune to propaganda, but just, you know, think about something 
before, like do your research, think before you make a decision. Um, yeah, because propaganda is ever so prevalent and it's very dangerous. I guess my intentions are to keep on opening thirst eyes around the world because I know that if our eyes are open, then we won't be as susceptible to blind faith and following people blindly and falling into these traps that lead to cult mentality and to these um, harmful dynamics that all of us are susceptible to. Agent Nine here. My intention is also to make sure, like, I'm not, I don't fall back into like romanticizing not just cults, but like true crime in general. Cause I know I too was like part of that as a youngling. And just to visualize, like, um, Agent Eleven said, um, a community that isn't like so susceptible to falling into these traps. And together we will raise the vibration of the earth to a place where we are no longer being so polarizing. We're visualizing it in our third eye and we're bringing it into existence. So that was the Thirst Eye podcast today. And that was our conversation about cults, but you can catch us next week talking about something different. You can find us on our social media on Instagram at three, that is the number three, S-T, Threest I. So Thirst I, or you can find us on TikTok at 3ST3 Thirst I Podcast on TikTok. Thank you for joining us. Bye.